But this is good to have a spirit of prayer upon us so that we can just dig deep into the Word and let God continue to do what He wants to do tonight. So please, in your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, I want to do a Bible study tonight that hopefully will speak to you in this hour. Colossians chapter 2. I want to show you a concern that Paul had for the church at Colossae and the problem of adding to Christ. Adding to Christ. Uh, Making Jesus better than what He is. Sometimes we think we can add to our salvation. We can add to Him. Some churches believe that you can make better the message because Jesus needs some fixing or some additives. Something a little, little more added to it. I mean, after all, we are in the 21st century, and, and we're quite intellectual, and we are pretty smart, and so, you know, Christianity is pretty primitive, and so is Jesus, so let's consider what we could add to Jesus, and we have to be careful of that kind of thinking, because some of us have, have been guilty of that, and, and we want to go to the Word so that God could reveal in our hearts, have we added anything to Christ And how many of you know, we don't want to add anything to Jesus Christ. He is perfect in all His ways, and what He accomplished on the cross is absolutely complete. There's no additive to Jesus. And so when I looked up what an additive is, additives are substances added to maintain, improve, and bring freshness or newness of taste or texture and appearance. How many of you know that we have so many additives to our food that you can't even recognize what that food originally was, right? I mean, Twinkies are going to outlast dinosaur bones. Those things are radioactive. We have so many additives in our food that it lasts on the shelves for months and months and months, right? How many of you ever buy fancy bread? I'm talking fancy bread. We don't buy fancy bread because after a week it goes green, right? We buy the bread that lasts for about three months. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because so many additives for shelf life. Jesus doesn't need an additive for shelf life. He abides and ever lives to make intercession for us day and night. We don't need to add anything to Jesus. And this is Paul's concern in Colossians 2. Colossians 2 Uh, We'll start at verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. What Paul's saying is I'm really concerned about you at the church. I care about you. I'm, I'm troubled about you. I'm praying for you. And let's see what he's concerned about. Number two, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, Encouraged to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So let's break that down. He said, I, I want your hearts to be encouraged. And he gives, he says, so that you're knit together in love. That's a side comment. But what does he want their hearts encouraged in? I want you, your hearts to be encouraged to reach. I want to encourage you to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and knowledge. Wow, we got to break that down a little bit. 
I, I want you to be encouraged that you can reach how much? All. Reach all the riches. Now, riches means what? A lot. Everything. A lot. All the riches. All the riches of what? Full assurance of understanding. In other words, you know it, that you know it, that you know it. Full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. And who's God's mystery? Jesus. So let's break it down. Paul has a lot, a lot of words that he puts together. Basically, what he's saying is, I want you to be encouraged to reach all the riches of the assurance of understanding and knowing Jesus. You don't need to know anything else. Paul said that to the Corinthians. I don't need to know anything else among you except Christ and Christ crucified. That's the answer. You read the book of Corinthians, and as you read through Corinthians, he's answering one problem after another problem after another problem. They had disputes and legal issues with each other. They had tongues and and attitude issues. They had issues of eating meat sacrificed to idols. They had spiritual gift problems. They had illicit sexual issues in the church. He said, I don't care about any of this. All I want you to know is your answer is Christ, Christ crucified. And this is what he's saying to the church. You need to be fully encouraged to reach all the full riches of understanding and knowledge of Jesus. And he says this, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you need wisdom, if you need knowledge, the place you need to go to is not Google, not the encyclopedia, not some other guy, but Jesus and Jesus alone. In him is all the wisdom and knowledge of God. Everything you need is in Jesus. There's no additive to Jesus. You don't need Jesus and seminary. You don't need Jesus and college. You don't need Jesus and money. You don't need Jesus and more. You have everything you need, and you need to be fully assured that you have the riches of Christ. And in our day and age, we've got a real problem because we keep adding to Jesus. We keep adding more to Jesus. And he said, in him is the full measure, is the full treasure of all wisdom and knowledge. So we don't need an additive. Now, what he's going to go on to do now is this. He's going to say that there are four things that are going to happen. And he says, see to it. Let no one do this. Let no one do this to you. Let no one do this to you. You see to it that you don't do this. So that's your responsibility. He's going to show us four things that we can get caught up in by adding to Jesus. And he says, make sure no one does this to you. So where does that put the onus? On us. Guard. Guard your doctrine well guard what you understand in the full revelation of christ and who he is and his sufficiency guard that don't add anything to it and now he's going to go into those four issues and i'll take you there we'll start here in colossians 2 and he says this verse 4 i say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments All right, what does it mean to be deluded? Tricked. Deceived. That no one will delude you with plausible 
argument? What's a plausible argument? Seems to be right. This, this, this is reasonable. This is plausible. This is possible. Don't, don't be deluded. Don't be deceived by an argument that seems pretty plausible. Now, that's exactly what Satan did to Eve. Did God really say you couldn't do this? And are you sure he... Why, you... You're missing out. It's plausible that maybe God is actually holding back from you. And so we've got to be careful that we are not deluded. We are not deceived. Could it be that, you know, as you look and you hear scholars who have studied the Bible that There are just too many contradictions in the Bible in that the ancient manuscripts actually show us that, hey, wait a minute, maybe this isn't the Word of God. And and plausibility says that maybe Jesus did have an affair with Mary Magdalene and had a child. You remember all that stupid stuff? Right? Uh, Maybe that Jesus, you know, didn't say all that he said in the Gospels. We've, We've got the Jesus seminar that's giving us plausible arguments that quite possibly all the red in your Bible is actually not the statements of Jesus, but they've been added. And, and if we look in the ancient manuscripts and some of the other Gospels of Thomas and the Gospel of Peter and the Gospel of Joe Schmo that we found, that maybe this could mean, and, and, and how many of you know that Christians are falling for this stuff? They're being deceived and deluded by persuasive arguments that when you put them together in this sequence and this sequence, uh, maybe that's right. But what does Christ say about himself? Who does Christ say that he is? And let's go back to exactly what Christ is and who he says he is and what he's accomplished. There doesn't need to be anything else added or taken away from Jesus Christ. He goes on and he says, For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith. So you received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, established in the faith. You're not tossed to and fro, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving so you need to be discipled you need to be taught you need to be rooted in the faith so that you're not tossed to and fro how many of you remember being tossed i remember being tossed you know i i remember being a young christian and and having discussions with jehovah witnesses and my gosh they had plausible arguments that diluted my thinking and they had these points, and they'd show me in Scripture, and I'd go, oh my goodness, oh, I don't know what to believe. I don't know, I just want to trust God. And they're so sincere. See, that's what can make arguments plausible, can it? The sincerity of people. And people have a problem with saying, oh, well, Mormonism is a cult. Jehovah Witness is a cult. Because they're such sincere people, and their arguments are plausible. They are not plausible compared to Scripture. You've got to study the Word. You've got to be rooted in the Word of God. You've got to be discipled. You've got to be trained. You've got to stand firm in what you know to believe. And what you don't know and what you're confused on, you are responsible to get to work. Don't let them delude you. Amen? 
Does this make sense? Because if you've been like I've been, deluded and deceived by plausible arguments, it brings nothing but consternation to you. And you begin to waver. You begin to doubt. How many have been there? Anybody been there? Okay. And so we've got to be rooted. We need to be grounded. And so Paul says, in Christ is all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so he alone, we need to have the full assurance of our understanding. So let's not be deceived by someone deluding us with false information that seems to be true. So study. Find out. Do the research. There is absolutely no reason on earth today that you should be duped because there is so much research available to us that there's no reason except laziness for us not to find the answer. And of course, we don't even need Google. We've got the Holy Spirit. Some people have replaced the Holy Spirit with Google Spirit. Instead of going to the Lord, we go to the Google. And that's, that's you know, God can speak to us. Don't we have the living author in us? Let's study the Word of God. Now Paul goes on and he says this. He goes on to verse 8. See to it, see to it that no one takes you captive. One's being deceived, now the other's being captivated. See to it that no one takes you captive by what? Philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition and according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. All right, so we can become captive by philosophies. Those are wisdoms. Sophie, Sophia, it's the word Greek for, for wisdom. Philosophy is the is the pursuit or the study of wisdom. And so what seems to be wise in the eyes of man. And don't we have the sciences today? We've got specialty sciences in everything. Philosophy, right? And, and in biology and in, in trigonometry and in physics and in cosmology and uh, you name it. And we've got so many ologies and wisdom beyond measure on how things function can i tell you just because you know how something functions you don't know why it functions and there's a reason behind everything just because you know how it works doesn't mean you know why it works i'll tell you the why to give glory to jesus christ everything works so that it can give glory to christ now don't be taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit According to human tradition, so here's two things, human tradition and uh, the elements of the world. Now, human tradition and elementary spirits, if you look up the Greek for elementary, uh, elemental spirits, there's two versions of that. Um, One is human traditions is the sciences of man, men's traditions, man's sciences, and the elemental Uh, uh, spirits is a concept of mysticism or the psychic energy or cosmic forces all right we all know that that's demonic but basically the concept of human traditions 
man's wisdom, man's philosophies, man's answers for things, and his pursuit of the sciences. And not that we're to be ignorant of the sciences, but the idea that, that the elementary spirits are, are the answer to us. How many of you have heard the talk lately about you speak to the universe and the universe answers? This is genius, isn't it? They won't talk about a personal God, but they talk about the universe answering their prayers. Has anybody heard this? Has anybody noticed this? You know, I spoke to the universe, and the universe brought goodness back to me. What planet? What, you, what are you talking about? Is it the Milky Way? What, what universe? What part of the universe has answered your prayer? Is it a particular star system? Did it echo around Jupiter? Did the ring around Saturn have something to do with this? The universe spoke to... If you're going to talk to the universe, does the universe have a name? It's just an excuse for stupidity to leave something out into luck. The minute you mention Jesus Christ and you mention God, that's stupid, that's foolish. Well, then you talk to the universe. And that's exactly what he's talking about, elemental spirits. And so we've got these discussions right now. I, I, I don't know if you YouTube, anybody YouTube? YouTube is full of men's traditions and philosophies and these mystical ideas. And you can get captive to them. How many of you have, can you get, how, do, how many of you like conspiracy theories? I am a sucker for conspiracy theories. I am. I get stuck on these conspiracy theories. I really do. Really? The earth's flat? I don't think so. No, I can't be. You're going to get all Russia and China and, and all the other space agencies in the world to fake their photographs? Are you kidding me? Right? I mean, all this stuff, this conspiracy theory, right? And we never landed on the moon? That was done by, you know, come on, who doesn't get caught up in conspiracy? Anybody else? I find these things fascinating. They're crazy. They're out there. This is taking people captive. And you can have reasonable people believing in foolishness. Let me give you another one that's a conspiracy theory. That we evolve. Now that's a conspiracy theory that is absolutely bonkers. That we actually evolved uh, through a random mutation. Will somebody define the term random and mutation? a random breakdown and you get higher level of beings through mutations which are breaking down the building blocks that are supposed to build up. And this is what it means being taken captive by philosophies and traditions of men of the elemental spirits of the world around us. Yes, this world is mysterious. Yes, there's so much in it that we just don't know. What is an, in Antarctica? Is there a hole in the hollow earth? Is anybody on that one either? I'm just, I'm just throwing them out there for you. I mean, it's just fascinating stuff. And, I, and the Nazis are there too. Okay? And then 9-11 was orchestrated by George Bush and and I mean we can you know and you some of you are going like yeah <laughs> now here's the thing they're entertaining but none of this should take you captive to who Christ is and who Christ is in your daily walk and how you must rely on Jesus Christ because he's the only thing that's true 
I bet there are so many conspiracies when we get to heaven, we're going to go, what? Who killed John F. Kennedy? You're going to see so many conspiracies through all the ages, but I'm telling you, the one who's going to reveal them all is Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't let this stuff take you captive to where you're stuck on YouTube for two hours and you didn't do your Bible reading. Because you're not captivated by Jesus anymore. That's the problem. You and I are no longer captivated by the majesty and the mystery of who Jesus is in all his glory. We can't take ten minutes to begin to think of what it means that God is triune. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he made all things for his glory. Just begin to meditate on the things of who Christ is and be captive by him, not the foolishness of this age or the traditions of men. And that's what Paul's warning the church about. Right? Who, who He's writing to Colossae who got the news that Rome burnt down and Nero's blaming it on the Christians. What's the conspiracy theory there? Well, I don't know who actually burnt Rome down, if it was Nero, if he had the fires lit, or if it was somebody else who was rebelling against him, but he's blaming the Christians and they're being killed for it. What are we going to do about that? Seek Jesus. And so, he said, don't let anybody delude you. He said that no one takes you captive. And we go further and he says this, For in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. In other words, what should captivate you is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is within Jesus bodily. You want to see God? You'll see Christ. You'll see Jesus. Because the fullness of the Trinity dwells in him bodily. And you've been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You've been buried with him in baptism which you were also raised through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh were made alive together with him having forgiven all your trespasses canceling out the written code of the law that stood against you and its legal demands he set them aside nailing to the cross disarming the rulers and powers and principalities and putting them to open shame triumphing over them all now if that don't take you captive something's wrong consider that My heart's been circumcised by God. I've been put to death and raised in Christ, taken out of Adam. Man, you want to talk about the the rudimentary elements of Christianity. And we're going to waste our time figuring out these other foolish traditions. Should we take our mule out of the ditch on the Sabbath? You know what I'm saying? In order for you to be saved, you've got to be circumcised. Or, or salvation won't work for you. This is what Paul's up against. He's saying, are you kidding me? This circumcision goes way beyond your outer flesh. You're worried about whether there's a demon behind this rock or that rock? When you're in Christ, a new creation, all powers and principalities are under your feet? Come on, everybody. Let's not be taken by these things. There are more Christians concerned and worried about demons than they are about the glory of God and His majesty in their life. 
All I'm saying is Paul's trying to tell you, don't be deceived and don't be taken captive by all these little rudimentary elements of life. Stay focused on Christ and what he's done. Let's keep going. He goes on and he says this in verse 16. Therefore, thirdly, let no one pass judgment on you. In other words, don't let anyone condemn you. You feel condemned. That's someone putting that on you. You take it on. You don't have to take it on. If it's not God convicting you of sin by His Holy Spirit, then don't take on condemnation. He says, don't let man pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are just shadows of things to come. The substance belongs to Christ. Now the argument here is, of course, the transition between the Old Testament and New Testament. Right? And, and we still have the same argument today. How many of you know the argument? Should we worship on the Sabbath or on the Lord's Day? Right? Every day is, every day is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation, the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 4. The Sabbath is in Christ. He said all these were shadows of things. We have divisions now and we have arguments that Christians should worship on the Sabbath. Sabbath is Saturday. There's no doubt about it. Saturday is God's Sabbath day of rest. It's the last day of the week. But the Christians also celebrated the first day of the week because that's resurrection day when Jesus rose from the dead. Now, don't let someone condemn you. You don't worship on Saturday. You're not following the law of God. And and again, Paul goes back to answer all these issues with, it's Jesus. Jesus is the Sabbath. All these things were shadows of the reality. Now let me help you understand something. Can you see my shadow? You can. I'm higher than you are. You can see it? What is a shadow? What is the shadow? Yeah, it's, it, it, it is, it is the, the light shining on something casting the shadow. The shadow is not the thing itself. It's the image cast by the reality. And that's what Paul says. Keeping the Sabbath is a shadow. That pointed to the reality of Jesus himself. He's our rest in God. He's our Sabbath. He's our circumcision. He's our dietary law. He is our priesthood. He is our temple. He is our high priest. He's our sacrifice. You look up anything in the Old Testament, it's Jesus. In Him's the fullness of the Godhead. In Him is everything. In Him is all knowledge and wisdom. In Him is everything. So don't be condemned by people who are telling you you're doing it wrong. You're not praying right. You have to pray directly to Jesus. You can't pray to the Father. You have to say, in the name of Jesus. Well, Jesus taught me to say, Father, don't pray to the Holy Spirit. Isn't he God? Yeah, but there's nowhere in Scripture we pray to the Holy Spirit. We've had, I've had this argument with people. You're doing it wrong. And, and we have all these forms of religion, right? That's why we have all these denominations. You sprinkle? You can't sprinkle. You're supposed to dunk them. Now if you sprinkle, and is, the, is it in a river? It's got to be living water, running water. 
And again, these arguments have been throughout the church. If you look at the DDK, the teaching of the apostles written in 90 AD, they said this, basically what they said in the DDK. They said, look, it's best that if you baptize in living water or a running brook, but if you can't, then you can baptize in a pool, and the water should be cool. But if it's not, it's okay if it's warm. And if you can't find a pool to dip them in, then you can pour water on their head three times. They didn't care of the mode of the religious thing because it's of the heart by faith unto Christ. It's all with Christ. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. It's with Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, how many Christians do you know that are condemned by another Christian because some form of religion? You know, it's ridiculous. Now, of course, doctrine's important because it can get off. But again, let's not condemn each other. It's a relationship with Jesus. Now, I'll go on. He says this, don't let anybody delude you. Don't let anybody take you captive. Don't let anybody condemn you. And then last of all, verse 18, he says, do not let anybody disqualify you. Insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions and puffed up without reason by his sensual mind, or not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. In other words, he's saying, don't let anybody disqualify you by saying you're not spiritual enough. Asceticism is holding fast to certain rules of holiness, holiness standards, or visions of angels, right? Now, I remember doing an interview, uh, I was in Texas doing a telecast, a TV uh, program that was wired into Iran, and as we were they were interpreting my teaching going into Iran. They had live feedback from Iran on Facebook and on um, texting. And so we had a time where we took questions and answers. It's, it's illegal in Iran to have Christian TV, but all of them have stolen satellites on their little huts, and they get these, this, you know, Iran Alive today uh, with Hormetz. Uh, uh, our brother that was here and, and he broadcast the gospel there and I had an opportunity to do the same. And while we were there, a question came in from a lady who said this, a Muslim lady who said, does Jesus love me less because all my friends have had visitations of Jesus in the night and I have not had one? Now, she felt disqualified in her faith because her friends had a visit by Jesus. See, how many of you know many Muslims are coming to salvation and faith in Jesus because Jesus is literally appearing to them in their bedrooms? And it's so prevalent and so happening so often in Iran, in Iraq, in the Middle East. Jesus is showing up because Christians aren't getting in. And so Jesus is showing up and ministering to them that this lady actually felt that she wasn't loved by Jesus because he didn't show up in her bedroom. What do you do with that? And that's what Paul's talking about. Well, people have visions of angels. I never saw an angel. Am I less spiritual than them? Some other people. How, many, how do you see this going on all the time in the church? Talk about their vision, their dream, their this, their that. You know, I've, I cast out 30 demons. How many did you cast out? Well, I don't think I ever have. Oh, really? Mm, too bad. 
And then this lady, I was able to text her back and said, I've never seen Jesus. I would love to have a vision of Jesus, but that is not what qualifies you to be saved. It's a relationship with Jesus, whether you see him or not. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. And so it is not dependent, and you are no deeper or greater spiritually uh, because you've had a vision of Christ Jesus. But we promote that. We Pentecostals, we promote that. Guy could be living a horrible life, but if he's got a healing ministry, we'll just honor him and, and put all our money to him. It's ridiculous. We, so don't let anybody disqualify you. I'm just a housewife. I'm just a guy that works at a, at a shop. I don't have a ministry. Don't let anyone disqualify you because you haven't had this experience in God or that experience in God. You didn't see an angel or you didn't hear a revelation. Or, or maybe, maybe there's an area in your life where you're weak. Paul said, you got to plug into the head. That's where your strength is. Hold fast to the head. That's Jesus from whom the whole body is nourished. He said this, this idea, look at verse 21, this idea, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. That's that holiness thing. Referring to things that all perish as they're used, according to human precepts and teachings, he said these indeed have the appearance of wisdom and promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You might say, I didn't touch this, I don't look at women, I don't put wine to my mouth, I don't smoke cigarettes, I don't shoot up, I am holy. But your thought life stinks. Jesus said to the to Pharisees, you are whited sepulchers, but you have dead men's bones on the inside. So it seems right that this holiness idea that we don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do that. Did you know by not doing things, it doesn't make you holy? Holiness is the nature of God. Bearing the fruit of his nature, love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, patience, uh, faithfulness, self-control, those, when you bear those, now you're bearing holiness. Holiness is not don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that doesn't make you holy. That would make Buddhist monks holy. They're not holy. They're going to go to hell. Do you see how you can become disqualified by this? How many of us, and so Paul's answer is this, it's Jesus. You can't add anything to your salvation. It's not Jesus and your best ability to restrict yourself from doing this or that. You're saved not because you didn't do this or that. You're saved on the merits of Christ and Christ alone. And you're not more spiritual because you had this spiritual experience. You're more spiritual when you are more devoted to Jesus and Christ alone. Don't be deceived by mystical experiences. Don't be deceived by or taken captive. Don't be condemned by another man's convictions. If you're walking with Christ, then walk with Christ. Don't be taken captive by foolish arguments and traditions. Don't be deluded by plausible arguments. That's his point. It's not the cross plus something else. 
If there's one thing we all come in here, yes, we have to walk in holiness. Yes, we have to restrain from the flesh. Yes, we stop doing things of sin. Yes, 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 but there's only one reason why. It's not to elevate or to get more love or more appreciation from God. He loves us perfectly. It's all because we love Christ. It's Christ and Christ alone. It's the cross plus nothing. And in that, you and I can worship him with our whole heart. And it's in that that you find strength to overcome the issues of the flesh. It's in that that you find freedom from foolish arguments and religious ploys. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you won't be deceived. Does this make sense to you? And that's Paul's cry in the book of Colossians. Don't let them do this. Don't let them deceive you. Don't let them persuade you. Don't let them condemn you. And don't let them disqualify you. Because they have no right to do any of those things. You serve Christ. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, help us. Let's spend a minute right now and ask yourself, has there been any argument that has deceived you about Jesus? Have you been taken captive by philosophies and ideologies that are pulling you from Christ? Are you being condemned in your faith because not by God but by others? And have you disqualified yourself because you don't feel you're as spiritual as someone else? Some of you have not walked in your calling. You've disqualified yourself because you think you're not good enough. And that has nothing to do with it. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. He gives them by grace. They're not earned. And he will never take them away, no matter how you fail. So let's determine in our own hearts right now, please, please, let's take the time right now and consider if any of these things are happening to you. 